Welcome to By the Way, a podcast of Founders Christian School. And this week we uh, have with us Megan Larson, our Director of Curriculum and Instruction, um, who also trains uh, our teachers in classical Christian education. So um, very excited to have her along as we have this discussion. Last week we were talking about classical Christian education and what that means to educate from a biblical worldview. So we focused on that Christian aspect of classical Christian education. This week we're looking at the classical side. Um, so to, to get the conversation started, uh, I'll just ask, why did we as a school choose this model for education? Well, the, the classical Christian model uh, was chosen because we felt like it represented the, the best of educational models available. And so when you, when you seek to educate, you kind of have to pick some kind of model that you follow. And uh, I think we felt like by a, by a long shot, the classical Christian model represented the best of what's available, and there are a number of reasons for that, which which I'm sure Megan will talk about some more. Uh, but that was really the the short version, as we just felt like it was the best way. So, yeah. so I guess we can talk about what makes that the best. And Me- I didn't say thank you for being on here. My pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for being on. So, what what are some some aspects of classical Christian education that that get you excited about about teaching? Well, it is very different from what I grew up with. And I think most of us who learn about classical Christian education feel the same way that we wish, once we've learned what it is, we wish we could have had that growing up. Um, I think the thing that gets me super excited about it is that it begins to try to see the world the way that God sees it in, in a limited human way. But we know that all truth is God's truth, that he created everything Um, But the way we do school typically is we have an English class, a Bible class. um, Everything is discrete. The teachers are not on the same page. um, But God created all of these things. He created math and science, and he gave us the ability to create literature and art. And um, we know he doesn't see things discreetly that way. So we attempt to begin to scratch the surface of that. Yeah, we all grew up divisions in our disciplines, right? We, We go to math and it's unrelated to what I'm doing in all my other classes or go to English, unrelated to history. And that's a, a point um, of emphasis in classical Christian education is this idea of integration, integrating the disciplines. And I, I know you had something you wanted to share from a, a moment in your past where you were kind of introduced to this integration yeah. for the first time. Yeah. So my first experience with anything resembling classical Christian education was by accident. I was in college and I took an early American history class and an early American literature class at the same time. I don't think my professors were intentionally on the same page. I just happened to be studying literature and history from the same time period during the same semester of college. And I can specifically remember learning about uh, Thomas Dudley and Simon Bradstreet and Anne Bradstreet and the Massachusetts Bay Colony in my uh, history class And at the same time, in my literature class, we were reading some of Anne Bradstreet's literature, and I I just specifically remember reading a poem about uh, the burning of her house, which I had learned about in in my history class. Having learned that in history, and then reading this poem that's an artifact from that time period in history, made that entire uh, time period come alive to me in a way that I had never experienced before. 
And, and I can honestly say that is the first time I was excited to learn. And it, it didn't happen for me until college. And so fast forward a few years where I'm getting into education and to find out that there's an entire method of education that seeks to do exactly that thing is to integrate subject matter and to make it come alive for students so that it's exciting. Uh, I, I, was, I was thrilled to learn that something like that existed. And so when we began to think about what we were going to do here at Founders Christian School, uh, for, for that reason, among others, uh, we just felt like it could not in good conscience be done any other way. And, and with any form of education, there's, there's pitfalls to be avoided, and, and you, know, you can go too far in one direction or another. So it's got to be done carefully. Um, but provided it's done biblically and carefully, I think classical Christian education is, is the best model. So, Yeah, and to that story, I mean, I've, I, I know that teachers, different teachers have different personalities, and some teachers naturally uh, kind of gravitate towards a classical approach, whether they realize it or not. Yeah. Um, with this whole student approach, maybe some even integrating different subjects. And so when we experience these things, we, we do have that, oh, wow, this is great. This is exciting. And I think all of us in one way or another have had some sort of experience with a classical approach. But we just didn't know that, that that was a name. There was a name for that approach and that, that there's a goal, an intentional uh, way to appr- approach that and, and, and try to achieve that. And so... Um, that's what we're trying to do at our school. Yeah, and, and doubtless all of us can think back on our education and, and realize we had teachers that did do those things. And, and probably those are the teachers that we appreciate most and remember the most. So. Sure. When, when I first got introduced to classical Christian education, it was as a homeschooling parent. And so I was reading uh, a book called The Well-Trained Mind, and my, my first child was a baby, and I was just... I couldn't put it down and I started planning right then and there because the thing that stood out was that the things that they'll learn in their history, their literature, their math, their art, it will all come together and you'll have these conversations at the dinner table. They won't be able to stop themselves from wanting to tell you with wonder what it is that that they're learning and of course I was craving that for myself as well but um, so here and, and I think a lot of educators will say we want to educate the whole student. We want to give a really engaging experience. Um, where it differs somewhat is what it is that we're passing on to students and trying to engage them with. Um, we as classical Christian educators have a standard that we uh, that we look to. Classical education is is thousands of years old. As a matter of fact, when you would say education before the 1800s, that's what people were referring to. It was a, a passing on of, of tradition and heritage and standards of of what is good and true and lovely. And of course, as Christians, we know from scripture that, that God is the source of those things and he is our standard for how we, how we choose what is good to pass on to students. Um, so that's one caveat I would say is You'll probably have educators maybe watching this who say, well, you know, yes, we, we, have, we have lots of ways of getting students moving their bodies and, and, and being really active and getting engaged with things, um, but it's engaged with what? And that's the other really important thing about what classical Christian education is. So in that answer, I hear you talking about both method and then maybe content. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what's, what are we aiming at? What are we giving them? To, to learn and then also this method other than just integration um, is that it is that the only defining aspect of classical education no for sure not and and I may I might just toss this question back to Megan and and you know 
think about why, for example, our third graders might read Detectives and Togas rather than Diary of a Wimpy Kid or something like that. <laughs> well, they probably read both, <laughs> <laughs> but not in class. Not in class. <laughs> um, so the methodology, uh, we you'll maybe in classical circles hear the trivium. Um, that's a pretty pretty big buzzword in classical circles. Uh, so we have in grammar school we call kindergarten through sixth grade is grammar school. Um, they are they are soaking up lots of knowledge and, and in, in classical education we have a saying repetition is the mother of memory and so we find fun ways of getting students to repeat things to memorize them to learn them to understand them and what it is we're trying to get them to understand is their history and their literature and how to read and how to how to how to create good sentences and so um, there's just there's a very prismatic way that we try to look at everything, which means that we don't take on a ton of content. We would rather take on less content and go deeper with it and allow students really to master it. Um, one of the ways that we talk about teaching is as a master with an apprentice. And so we teachers try to envision, well, what if we were blacksmiths? And what if we had this little boy living in our home with us and we were trying to train him how to be a blacksmith? And there would be times where we would tell him, you have to do this, this, and this. But there would be other times where we'd have his hands on the anvil and on the, on the hammer and on, on the materials and we'd guide him. And, and eventually he'd become independent with those things. And so um, in the younger ages... Um, they're, they're reading stories about detectives and togas as set in, in ancient Greece. You know, they're trying to grapple with what that was like. It's hard to fathom as a 21st century kid what life in ancient Greece was like just because somebody told you. So you read a story about it to, to begin to put yourself in the position of, of a child living during that time. Um, as they get older, then they will hear the history again. That's another facet of classical education is that we come around and around and around at different levels of, of depth and, and intensity. And when the student is older and able to process things at a deeper level. So at, at the logic stage, then they are analyzing why did ancient Greece fall? You know, why did these things happen? And um, they're, they're studying formal logic. And again, this is them putting their hands on the tools at the level that's appropriate for them at that age. And then eventually they get to what we call the rhetoric stage that's in high school. And the way they put their hands on it is that they try to convince someone, was this good? Was this bad? Was this right or wrong? What, um, what, what was beautiful in this situation? Um, what, how does this relate to our time and, and, and what we're doing and what decisions can we make that show we've learned from the past. So um, again, that, that student getting to a point where they're graduating should become the master then, should be able to go out into the world and continue to learn and help other people to see the truth. Yeah, or, or at the very least be well on their way. I think it's helpful to illustrate these levels of education um, with, with something that's more common like maybe sports and you see this log the grammar logic rhetoric stage in in all sorts of of learning and practical learning so um joe i, I think i've heard heard you mention this before with basketball yeah. so how would that how, how could you illustrate that with basketball yeah so with the best of intentions i think sometimes progressive education gets the cart before the horse uh and 
we do this in education, whereas in some, the reason I use the example of athletics is I think in athletics we intuitively understand that there's a progression that has to take place. Um, so we don't just roll out a ball and say, go play a game of basketball. There's basic skills that have to be learned, rules of the game that have to be understood, and, and maybe we would call that the grammar of basketball, right? When you hear grammar, you kind of automatically tend to think of English grammar well, in classical Christian education, we would say that there's a grammar to every discipline, athletics included. And so as I learn the grammar of basketball, that looks like learning how to dribble, learning how to pass, learning how to shoot, learning the rules of the game. Then the the logic of basketball is things like understanding floor spacing, um, maybe learning some basic maneuvers offensively and defensively. And then the rhetoric of basketball would be, okay, now that I understand the the grammar and the logic of basketball now I go out and I actually compete against another team and I'm learning how to make a read based off of what my defender does is going to determine my my next move Uh, that would be the rhetoric of of basketball and in athletics we we understand across the board every sport all across this country people walk through those stages and for whatever reason, we've kind of departed from that in progressive education where we're just going to sit down a third grader and say, okay, you do some creative writing. And the classical Christian approach would say a third grader is not equipped to do creative writing. They don't even understand really, at least not well, what a sentence is. We're still working on sentences in third grade, and, and that's with a purpose. And it's the same reason that third grade basketball players are still doing ball handling drills, not trying to run the Princeton offense. Um, and so we're not going to ask a third grader in their grammar class to do whatever the uh, mathematical equivalent of the Princeton offense is. Uh, and so that's that's kind of the progression, if you want to think about it in, in a sports analogy type way. We want to walk through those steps in every discipline so that the student masters the one before they move on to the next. And, and we're not getting to a point where we're asking someone to do something they're just not equipped to do yeah that's great and that's that's on the method right that's all method discussion um but there's also uh the the goal the what are we aiming at and so when we ask why do we choose classical christian education that question can be viewed as what's the purpose what's what's the end goal what are we aiming at and and maybe even um how does that differ from what a lot of people view as the end goal of education um so the classicists would say human flourishing. Uh, they, they had this phrase, human flourishing was the goal of the education. Um, as Christians, I think the way that we would read that is God imprinted his image on us and he has created the entire universe. And in order for us to know him as well as we can know him, we ought to interact with his general revelation as well as his specific revelation. We ought to interact with science and math and and all sorts of 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 books and things and when we do that not only to grow our minds but to grow our hearts and 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 we do it in community that's another thing that's so important and so sad right now that we can't learn as much in community as we're used to doing because because that's when you create those memories of of the class discussion that you were having about this this historical event or this this church historian or Mm -hmm. whatever it was um but it shapes the whole person, and, and that person uh, can flourish in the classical sense, but 
most importantly, in the in the true image of God sense, that person can flourish because they've they've interacted with God's truth in a very meaningful way. And so then you've got college and career, and, and a lot of people will say, well, what about college and career? Right. This is a school. What about SAT scores? And I think the thing that we like to say here is that those are wonderful side effects yes. of teaching in this way because it is an excellent education from a thoroughly biblical worldview. However, we haven't taught the student that the end goal of all this learning is to get this job or go to this college. They are ready to do whatever it is they need to do to be whoever it is that God calls them to be. Uh, we, we want lifelong learners. We want our teachers to be that first and to exemplify that for students. And, and the wonderful side effect is they're ready for what they need to do. That's right. And one of the sweetest things about this kind of education is that it doesn't treat a student's first 18 years like they are merely preparation for the 65 years that are going to follow. Uh, we're training citizens of heaven. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so that's why the classicist view of human flourishing or the view of education that says this is for college entrance or a job is, is so anemic. Uh, we, we want this to be valuable for eternity, which is why... Uh, it matters so much that the kind of flourishing we're talking about is is spiritual. Uh, and, and yes, there are academic disciplines that they must know in order to be prepared for what they're going to face in this life. And of course, we want to prepare them for that. That's that's a part of our responsibility as a school. But it is it is a side effect. It is a byproduct of the main thing. And the main thing is a student who um, loves the Lord and and. Their, their aim is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? That's right. Right? Um, if, if we train students to go gain the whole world for a temporary amount of success or enjoyment and they've lost their soul, um, it's worthless. It's wasted. And, and, and even worse than that, it's going the wrong direction. Um, human flourishing is is what we're aiming at yes just just what the classes classicists would say uh, but that's eternal flourishing um and that's why christian the christian part of classical christian education is so important that's right yeah so well that's a that's a great intro uh, i know it's a brief intro yeah. but a great intro to classical christian education um and and i really appreciate the time uh you all gave to to help answer these questions and um, any last comments that you all wanted to add before we? I would just say I think it'd be a good idea to, uh, in the notes for the for this particular episode, to point to some resources if people want more information about classical Christian education. Where could we point them? Uh, and so we'll we'll put some notes in there. Great, for that. yeah, that's a great idea. Well, that wraps up our conversation on classical Christian education for now. I uh, want to move to the Q&A portion that we have at the end of this. Uh, by the way, as a reminder, you can send your questions into questions at founderschristian.org, and we'll get to those uh, questions on, on the podcast. Well, here, here's the big question that it has been floating around in my mind. Um, I've had a few friends ask me personally uh, about this, um, and I know it's been on the minds of, of some of our, our family as well, uh, but that's that's this question. What does this crisis mean for the future of Founders Christian School? Yeah, great question. I, I know that's a question that a lot of people have. 
And you've got to be honest to some degree and say there's still some uncertainty out there, right? I think every Christian school in America right now is is wondering what is, how how is this going to impact our school? What does this mean for our school long term? Um, and so some of those questions are, are out there. What I would say is that to this point, there just hasn't been anything to cause any any major concern um, as far as what things look like in the in the near future. When I say near future, I mean this this coming school year. Um, and so so that's that's encouraging. At the same time, um, even even if something were to change in terms of our picture and things had to be in some way different next year and I don't I don't even know right now what that would mean what I can say is that the level of confidence that I have in the the people the Lord has brought here to Founders Christian School the commitment that our teachers have to the very things we've talked over these last two episodes both from the worldview standpoint and from the classical Christian methodology standpoint um I have a tremendous amount of confidence and hope, uh, and I know right where the Jones kids are, are going to be. And, and the things that we've talked about over these last two episodes are why uh, my kids are going to be at Founders Christian School next year. And so I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm confident, I'm, I can honestly say um, that I just don't think there's a, a lot to be worried about right now. The Lord has, has cared for us in these 10 years, and He's going to continue to do so, and, and so... I think we have every reason to be hopeful and, and confident. So, thank you. Uh, there's your answer from our head of school, um, and that that is a big question. And I, I appreciate your answer and sure. taking the time to answer it. You bet. And I would say, if parents have specific questions along those lines, of course, they're always welcome to reach out to the school too. Mm-hmm. So, all right, uh, Megan, thank you so much for for being with us. Thank you. All right. Well, that's that time for Dad Joke of the Day with Dan Baker. Uh, Mr. Baker, what do you got for us? What happens when a pepper gets mad? I don't know. He gets jalapeno face. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Baker. You all have a great week.